12 is the verse that we're at this morning. It says this, but above all, James writes, all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath, but let your nay, your yea be yea, your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Let's pray and ask for the Lord's help. And then we're going to dive into the message this morning. Father, thank you for this time you've given us to open your word for a few moments. I ask God that now you would bring our hearts and our minds into captivity to be able to focus on your word. I ask, Lord, that the power of your word would, would be so evident in the service this morning that your Holy Spirit would have the freedom to move in our midst, Lord, and, and, and be able to convict hearts where it needs to. I pray, God, we'd be challenged, Lord, in a unique way today having been here. Now, God, I thank you for how you've worked throughout this entire book of James. And, God, I know you've got something unique and special for us this morning. I pray, God, that we would hear from you. And, God, that uh, we would surrender, Lord, our hearts to you this morning and what your word has to say. Thank you, God, for our guests. Thank you, Lord, for our regular attenders. Thank you, Lord, for each person that's here. I pray, God, that each person would leave changed, Lord, by your word for having been here today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you could venture back with me to my elementary school there in Spencer, Indiana. That'd be great. Okay, we're going to make your way back there. And uh, there in the, the playground, you could look around and you'd see the swing set and, and uh, you'd see the slides and, and you'd see the basketball courts and you'd see the kids running around playing tag all over the place and soaking up every second of that 30-minute recess that we had, all right? And I mean, just uh, out there having a, having a good time for me. I usually was on the basketball court playing with the guys over there. And, but, uh, you know, there was kids playing all different types of things, uh, Playing on the monkey bars, and and I think Tressa, you were your no, your friend was a monkey bar girl, okay? But but I mean that you you probably were involved, yeah, you know, back there on the on the playground doing all these different things. But you could mark it down every day, pretty much every day. Somewhere on the playground, there would be a conversation that would go somewhere like this: "I don't believe you," and the other side would say this: "I swear, <laughs> I promise." But you and I both know that it was untrue. Because behind their back, their fingers were crossed. I mean, you okay, you remember this, right? I mean, you've probably been there in this situation at some point or another whenever you were a kid, maybe growing up, maybe it was with a sibling or you were in a situation with a friend or, or hopefully not, but maybe with your parents where, where you said, oh no, I swear, I promise that this is the way it was, but you made sure when you said it that you had something crossed. It might have been your fingers, it might have been your legs, it might have been your eyes, it could have been your toes, but you had something crossed. Why? Because if you crossed something, then that meant you didn't have to to keep it, right? I mean, that was the way that it was. I swear, uh, you know, but my fingers were crossed, you know. You probably did that with your kids, your, your, your family, your, your brothers, your sisters at some point or another. I know I did it on a regular occasion with my siblings, all right? Uh, it's a part of our life whenever we're growing up. It's just something that we would do. Well, here in the final chapter of, of James and in his letter, James, the half-brother of Jesus, recording these words for us, he begins in verse number 12 by saying this, but above all things. It's interesting. In, in saying that, he, he, we, we would have this idea and our, our minds would immediately think, okay, so this is more important than anything that, that he said throughout this, this whole book. And, and that's not necessarily what James is getting at, but, but what he is saying here is, listen, I have emphasized this. I have told you about this, not just once, not just twice. I have talked about this over and over and over and over and over again throughout this book, all right? He's once again, James is drawing our attention to the gate that reveals our hearts. And that gate 
is our tongue. In every chapter in this short letter, he has brought attention to that which we say. Because what comes from the mouth is a window into the heart of the man or the woman. In Luke chapter number 6, 45, Jesus said, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. Listen, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh says, what you say is so important. Above all, hey, listen to me this morning. He says, I want you to understand, what you say reveals your heart. And for one final time, as James begins to wrap up this incredible book, he emphasizes the tongue of those believers he was writing to. He pulls them in close, just like he does this whole book. And he says, brethren, <laughs> My brethren, he, pull, he pulls him in nice and close. He says, listen, I've got something i got to tell you. I want you to know, I, I care about you. You're, you're my brother. I want you to understand this. This is so important for you to catch. And what he gives them is a, is a loving but stern correction. He says this, swear not. Swear not. Now, for most of us, our minds probably immediately jump to a list of words that we know that as a Christian we ought not to say. Now, if you grew up in a Christian home like mine did, it was really complicated because there wasn't just swear words that you weren't supposed to say. There were Christian swear words that you weren't supposed to say, okay? And uh, it got real confusing. I went to public school, and listen, you went there, and I didn't know what I was supposed to say or what I wasn't supposed to say, and, and you heard all kinds of things, and, and kids would say things, and it was like, man, I think that's maybe a swear word, you know? And, uh, you know, it was just... It it was all this, it was just a total mess. And then I got married and moved out here to Montana. And some of you, all right, you say words that were Christian swear words whenever I was growing up. I'm just telling you. But then there's other words that, 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 that you say that, that are different. And, and, and now I'm just confused, okay? That's just, that's kind of where it led to. And, and as an introvert, natural introvert, I found that the safest place to be is just not to say anything, okay? And so you just sit in silence all the time. Right, Todd? You enjoy this, right? Yeah, absolutely. Todd's like, barely, he's like, please don't draw attention to me, okay? And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's the way that it is, all right? I mean, it, you, you just, you we're just so confused confused about that. Now listen, the truth is as Christians, there are certain, certain things, certain words that we shouldn't use. There's certain language that we shouldn't say. Cuss words and, 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 and vulgarity should not be a part of the vulcabulary of a Christian. It shouldn't be a part of the language of somebody that claims to be a follower of Christ. Your body is the temple of the Holy that dwells within you if you know Christ as your Savior and your mouth should match and reflect the one who lives inside of you. There's certain appli certainly application that can be drawn from this verse and many throughout the scripture that addresses this idea of swear words, curse words, words, things that we shouldn't say as believers, as Christians. But what James is dealing specifically with here is a little different than that. He isn't actually addressing swear words while that application can be drawn. That's not, not what he's dealing with here. Now, it's been a few weeks, so let me kind of remind us of, of the context where James is at and what he's been talking about. Back in verse number 4 of chapter number 5, we, we find that, that the rich employees or rich employers of, uh, were, of these, these believers were taking advantage of these Christians, their employees. They were, the Bible says, they were defrauding them. 
They would tell them that they would pay them a certain amount or they would work a certain amount. Or they, they would do a certain thing and then it would, uh, uh, they, it would appear that they were going to make some type of guarantee. Maybe they would say to these Christians, oh, I swear that we'll do this. I promise. I guarantee it. But at the end of the day, when the work was completed... Not only would they not be given what was agreed upon, some of them were being persecuted by their very employers. In James 5, verse number 6, he says, Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Listen, you are going after these people. They're going after the Christians. They're persecuting them. They're not just lying to them. I mean, like they're actually persecuting them at the end of it. So James had encouraged them, we saw, to have patience in the midst of the trials that they were facing, in the midst of the persecution that they were going up against, not to take up a grudge against them. And then we come to this verse. And now James is telling the believers that not only don't take a grudge, but he says they aren't to make an oath or to swear. It's very likely that many of them were doing it as a way of retaliation back to those who had defrauded them. Oh yeah, you said you were going to do it? Well yeah, okay, I promise I'll do what I said I'm going to (laughs) do. I'll show you. I'll get back at you. Let me just tell you. Oh, yeah, I swear. And James says, don't make an oath. Don't swear. Now, this, this at first comes across, across a little bit trivial because throughout the Scripture, God himself makes many oaths and promises. And so it seems like almost a contradiction. Over in Genesis chapter number 9, God made a covenant with Noah following the flood. You remember this. He, he said, listen, uh, I flooded the earth, but he said, listen, I will never do this again. I will never flood the earth in this way again. Some, here in Montana, I've started to wonder if maybe he's recanting that, all right? You know, we got in a lot of rain here recently. But he says, listen, I'll never, I'll never do that again. And he says, there's a way of promise. I'm going to do something for you. It's, it's going to be a promise that's going to be very visual for you. What did he do? He, he put a rainbow in the sky. It's a reminder to them. This is my covenant that I've made to you. In Genesis chapter number 15, God committed to the Abrahamic covenant. And it's such a cool, cool one, and I wish that I had the time to really dive into it. But, but the, the coolest part of, of God's promise to Abraham is, is God came to Abraham and said, Listen, I'm going to make your seed as, the, uh, as the, the stars of the sky, of the sand, of the, 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 the beach, of the, of the shores. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to multiply your seed. I'm going to bless you, make you a great nation. And, and, and then Abraham says, Well, how, how am I going to know this? And God said, all right, we're going to do something that, that we do oftentimes. We're going to make a covenant. And it's, it's really cool. This is something that they would do in the Old Testament. They would take the, the, the animals. They would take these animals. That's exactly what he says. He said, go and get these animals. And he says, I want you to cut them in half, and I want you to set them out. And then what they would do whenever some, two people were making a covenant in the Old Testament, they would take and they would bind their hands together, all right? And then they would weave their way uh, uh, through those, those pieces of meat on the ground. And, and the symbolism was, if I, if I go against the covenant that I have made to you, If either one of us breaks this covenant, may we be like these slices of meat cut in half on the ground. It was very serious when they made this covenant. Here's what's so cool about that that specific covenant. When God made that promise, the Bible says that Moses, or that, excuse me, that, that Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. You find that all the way back over in Romans chapter number four where that, that's foretold, or that, that, that it comes to fruition and God re- looks back on it. But this is what's so cool. But God and Abraham didn't walk between those pieces. 
In fact, the Bible tells us that God put Moses to sleep, or I keep saying Moses, put Abraham to sleep. And then the Bible, it's, it's kind of a weird story. A burning furnace and a, and a lamp make their way through it. And it, dude, listen, we can get all the details, but, but we find out. Hebrews gives us inti- insight into what happened. In Hebrews chapter number 6, verse number 13, he says, For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swear by himself. This is so cool. When, when he made that covenant, it was a covenant that he made not with Abraham. It was a covenant that he made with Jesus Christ, his son. Because Abraham would have felt but God and Christ never fail. So cool. I mean, it's just, it's such a cool picture. God made that covenant, that promise. Later you find the Mosaic covenant. There's Moses, all right? Mosaic covenant that we find. The Davidic covenant, the new covenant. There's covenants that we find throughout the whole scripture. So in fact, God swore a number of oaths in the Bible. And so while the initial response to this verse in James would be, well, we should never swear an oath, that wasn't the point that James was saying. No, the Jewish culture taught that if you swore, they, they had this, it's, it's incredible, I mean, it's, it's amazing. They had this, 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 this idea that if you swore by someone, if you swore by God, or if you swore by something in the temple, it's, it's interesting, you can go back and you can read this, you can study this, they swore by God, or if they swore by something in the temple, the gold of the temple, or maybe the lamp in the temple, or the ark in the temple, if they swore by, by one of these things, then they were bound to that covenant. They could not break it. But there was a little bit of a loophole. If they didn't, if they didn't swear by that, if they swore by something other than those things, then they didn't have to keep it. So they would do this. Well, I swear by heaven. Well, I swear by, by my own head. That's what the Bible, that's what the Bible said. That's what they would do. You know what they were doing? Well, I swear, all right, that's, that's exactly what was that. Hey, listen, I don't actually have to keep this. So, yeah, I, I promise. Oh, yeah, I promise that I'm going to do that. Uh-huh, no way, okay? They knew all along that they weren't going to. That's exactly what was happening. And as long as they weren't swearing by God or by the temple or something like that, they didn't have to stand by it. They were trying to slip by, I guess you could say, on a technicality. Trying to slip by on this loophole. And Jesus had already dealt with this matter. It's kind of interesting. In fact, James is basically repeating the command once again that Jesus had given in his Sermon on the Mount. Back in in, in Matthew chapter number 5, as Jesus is preaching to the multitude there on the Mount, the Bible says this in verse 33, Again, ye have heard that it hath been said of them of old time, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oath. And here it is. But I say unto you, swear not at all, neither by heaven. Okay, there it is, okay? For it is God's throne. Nor by earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. But let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Here Jesus, he's literally saying here, he's pulling out to these people, he says, listen, you're saying, okay, well, I swear by, by, by Jerusalem. Well, I swear by heaven. Well, I swear by all these different things. And the Lord says, don't you understand that Jerusalem is the, is the place of God? It's the city of God. Don't you understand that heaven is the abode of God? You know what he's getting at? He says, listen, no matter what you say, he says, you are bound by it. You're bound by it because your commitment should mean something. 
Let your yea be yea, and let your nay be nay. And he says, listen, when you make a commitment, he said, you shouldn't have to stand there and say, well, I swear by. He said, your word should be enough. You know, our culture has just assumed that people are going to lie. You want me to prove it to you? What do you have to do when you go to court and you're called to the witness stand? Why do you have to do that? Because the assumption is if you didn't do that, you were going to lie. I mean, that's, that's the assumption, right? Oh, yeah, I swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, you know, so help me God. I promise that I'm going to do that because uh, that's not normally what I do. You know, I mean, that's, that's the assumption. That's the perceived assumption that, that people do. Listen, there was a day when giving someone your word meant something. There was a day when business could be handled by a handshake. Now, I understand the legalities of needing paperwork and things like that today, but I'm not, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't do those things, but, but what we're getting at and what James is getting at here is it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't have to be that way. If you're a follower of Christ, you ought not be that way. What you say, what you say should be what you say. It should be the truth. And the reason that James said above all things, it's because, listen, dishonesty and lying is at the root of all sin. Immorality, pride, bitterness, anger, murder, all of them are intertwined with lying, deception, dishonesty. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. So your dishonesty comes from a root, fleshly nature. You know where it comes from? Well, he tell John chapter number 8, verse 44. You're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. No truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. Because he is a liar and the father of it. We are no more like Satan himself than we are when we are dishonest and lying. That's how serious it is. The need to say, I swear to, and then take the name of the Lord in vain or to swear on any of his creation, is to say that your word alone is not enough. And James says, when you say yes, then the answer is yes. When you say no, the answer is no. Follow through on what you said. So what's the result when a follower of Christ is dishonest or even just unfaithful to what they said they're going to do? Well, just real practically this morning, I want us to understand a couple things. First of all, it hurts the trusting person. It hurts the trusting person. Proverbs gives a graphic picture of what it feels like when a person says they are going to do something and doesn't follow through. In Proverbs chapter 25, verse number 19, he says this, confidence or trust in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. 
I don't know if any of you have had a broken tooth before, but I've heard that's pretty painful, all right? I've never had a foot that was out of joint before, but I did. We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. I love to talk about it because it's my story, all right? And so, uh, but uh, whenever I dislocated my elbow, it was, you know, let me tell you something, it was not a good thing, all right? It didn't feel good, you know? When I looked down and this part was up this way and I'm looking and I'm like, that's not what it should be, you know? I mean, that was a bad moment when we went to the hospital and they said, listen, the first thing we got to do is put that back into the place it's supposed to be. I said, please knock me out or shoot me one of the two. And I mean, like I, that was very discomforting. It was very uncomfortable. It was very painful. And when we're unfaithful, the Bible says it's like a broken tooth, like a part of your bone that's out of joint. It hurts someone that's trusting you. Are you dependable this morning? Do you follow through with what you say? When someone puts their confidence in you because you said, I'll do it, or I'll be there, and you don't show up, can I tell you, it hurts. It hurts. Can you be counted on? Now listen, I understand emergencies happen. They do. You say, hey, I'm going to be there. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of that. And then something happens that's an emergency and you're not able to be there and you break that promise. Listen, it's an emergency. Emergencies happen. Here's the problem. For a lot of people, emergencies are their way of life. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll be there. And then they don't show up. Oh, was, we just had an emergency. What, was it, what happened? Did, I mean, did your car crash? I mean, like, did... Well, you know, little Susie, she had to go to the bathroom, and it was, it was an emergency. I'm just telling you, all right? I mean, like, that's, but I, listen, everything is emergency. Listen, emergencies are emergencies. It's not something that happens all the time. If your life is full of emergencies all the time, and you're never, and you're never able to be put, nobody can put any confidence in you, or you're not able to be trusted, listen, the problem is not the emergencies. I know this hurts. The problem is the character. Last week, we made commitments to give to missions. It was exciting. If you missed it, man, you missed it. It was awesome, okay? Now, listen, you can still make a commitment to mission, but listen, we committed $47,000 committed to give to missions. You know what that means? If $47,000, we could literally probably almost double the amount of missionaries that we support, or we could double the support that we give to our missionaries. I mean, like, there's the, it opens up the doors so much, which is a wonderful thing. But here's the problem. A lot of times people aren't faithful. Oh yeah, I, I promise. God, I promise. And then we don't follow through. Whew. See, the commitment was the easy part. It's the follow through that actually matters. When we make a commitment to a missionary to support them and then the funds don't come in, can I tell you, it hurts them. Let me, listen, I've already made a bunch of people mad. We'll just keep going, okay? So listen, there was a day when you stood between a man or a woman or before a man or a woman and probably some, some preacher, some person, and they said this, do you swear to love, protect, to nourish them, sickness, health, 
take care of them, as long as you both shall live, and you probably looked at him. Now, here's the question. Did you say, I do or I will? I mean, how many of you, I do, do you remember? Yeah, okay, yeah, a few of you. How many of you said, I will? Okay, all right, so, yeah, a lot of you aren't raising your hand, so you must not be married. So, but uh, no, I'm just kidding, all right. When you made that, listen, you may not have understood this, but when you make that commitment, it's a commitment to that person, yes. But can I tell you who else it's a commitment to? God. Our world treats that so flippantly. So flippantly. That's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. No, friend, when you said, I promise, I do, I will, you are making a commitment to that person and to God. And when you don't follow through, it hurts the person that you committed to. How can you cheat on your spouse physically with some screen? How can you cheat on your spouse emotionally with some other person? You made a covenant with that person and with God. And it doesn't matter what the culture is doing or what the culture says you can do. The only thing that matters is what this book says. So friends, choose to be faithful. Now listen, I'm not trying to be mean because people have been through things and, and we've, we've preached on it before. God makes, makes that wonderful promise and restoration that when people do things because we are humans and we make mistakes, unfortunately we aren't perfect. I mean, Tressa knows this with me, okay? It's just, you know, we make mistakes and sometimes brokenness happens. And we have a gracious heavenly father that has an incredible ability to restore. Praise God for that. That's a wonderful thing. And he gives hope. He gives hope in that situation. But what are we saying this morning? We're saying, listen, when you say something, when you commit to something, make it mean something. Maybe this morning you say, you know what, Kyle, you don't understand. I'm like that woman that Jesus talked to at, 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 uh, at the, the well over there in Samaria. And, and I'll be honest with you, Kyle, it's been, you know, five husbands. The one I'm with now is not my husband. And, and I'm telling you, and you know what Jesus did? He didn't just say, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> not a big deal. It's not what he did. He said, listen, you're right. That was wrong. But he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand that I'm faithful. I want you to go and sin no more. This morning, you can make that commitment right where you're seated. And say, God, you know what? I've, I've struggled with being committed. I've struggled with following through. But God, this morning, I want, to, I want to make that commitment. between. I didn't realize I was making that commitment before you. God, help me to keep my commitments. Help me to stand by what I've said. Well, listen, whenever we fail in our commitments, it hurts other people. It hurts the trusting person. But listen, not only that, it hurts the watching person. The watching person. It was the night before Jesus was to be crucified. And Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room. And Jesus is talking with them. And Jesus looks at his disciples. And he makes a shocking proclamation. These guys that had walked with him for the last three and a half years. He looks at them and he says this. All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad, but after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And they are shocked. What? You think we're going to betray you? You think we're going to leave you? 
And Peter, I mean, Peter was the spokesman. I mean, like he stands, steps up. And he's like, listen, Jesus, I got something to tell you, okay? Don't ever do that with Jesus, okay? That's a bad thing to do. Peter answered and said unto him, though all men should offend, be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. <laughs> Jesus, listen, I know what you're talking about. Thomas over there, he ain't going to make it, okay? But listen. I'm with you, okay? Me and you, all right? I mean, that's what, that's what Peter was saying. Jesus doubles down, and he, listen, he specifically says, oh yeah, Peter? Verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. <laughs> now, you're not just going to deny me once. I know you're here right now, and you're, woohoo, you know, hoorah, you know, so you're going you're gonna to actually deny me three times. And Peter says those words that he would come to regret. Though I should die with thee, ah, yet will I not deny thee. And all the rest of the disciples are like, yeah, Peter said it. We, we agree, okay? Like we said all the disciples. Well, you know the story. Three times. Aren't you with that guy? You, you, I've seen you with him. I've never seen him before, okay? You're one of his followers, not me. Must be a guy look like me. The way you talk, it just tells me that you're a follower of him. The Bible says that he swore. Now listen, it wasn't a cuss word. I swear to, I don't know him. And then he went out and wept bitterly. You know what's sad? Jesus is, is risen, and, and it's, it's amazing. He looks and he says, go and tell Peter that I'm alive. And they go and tell him. Peter was so broken over this. You come to John chapter number 21, and, and, and Peter's just, he's at his end. And it says this in John 21, verse 3. Simon said unto him, I go a-fishing. You know what he said? Do you remember what Peter was before he started following Jesus? He was a fisherman. It's what he did for a living. You know what he was saying in that moment? He was saying, I'm going back to the life that I knew before I ever met Christ. Dark place to be. But don't miss this. They say unto him, we also go with thee. And they went forth, entered to a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. It's a sad moment in Peter's life when he was so low that he returns back to his life before he knew Christ. But one of the saddest parts of Peter's failure to follow through was how it impacted those who were watching him. We also go with thee. See, when Peter didn't stand by his word, Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John the Beloved that would eventually go on to write 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of John. They all followed Peter into his life away from Christ. I've watched in my own personal life when someone who was once faithful to the Lord left their commitment to him. Someone that, that I grew up with or, or somebody that, that, that led in our church that I grew up in or my pastor that I had growing up. When they made a decision to walk away from God, when they made a decision to go and enjoy a little sin for a season. I've watched people leave the church, leave God, and never return again. Now listen, I agree with you, we shouldn't be looking at people, okay? Listen, 
If your trust is in me, you are going to be so, you're probably disappointed this morning, okay? You're going to be so disappointed, all right? It just is what it is. Listen, I'm finite man. Your trust shouldn't be in me. It should be in God, okay? I, I praise God that I have the opportunity to preach and be able to share his word, but listen, I'm not the hero. This book is. God's the hero, okay? And, and if you ever get confused about that, just come, just go and talk to my wife. She'll set you straight, okay? She'll let you know, all right? She'll let you in on a few secrets. Listen. But the reality is, there's always somebody watching. So friend, don't quit on God. Be a person of your word. Because you don't know what son or daughter, what young Christian, what spouse is watching you and asking that question, are they real? Is what they say that they believe real? You see, whenever we go back on our word, whenever we swear an oath, and then we don't stick to it. I promise, I promise, yeah, and then we don't follow through. It hurts the trusting person. It hurts the watching person, but don't miss this. It hurts the swearing person. It hurts the swearing person. As a teenager, I can remember whenever I would get ready to leave my house, when I got my license, my parents would say things to me before I left the house. My mom would jokingly tell me to drive fast and take chances. That was what she would say because she said it was rhetorical to say, drive slow and be safe, all right? So she would say, Kyle, drive fast and take chances. I mean, it was kind of our, our little joke. She knew that, okay, uh, you know, Kyle, don't do something dumb, okay? That, that was what she was getting at. But uh, she would say that. But my dad, on a few occasions, I can remember him saying to me, son, Remember who you are. Now listen, he was not worried about me in the middle of my day having an identity crisis and being, wait a second, who am I? You know, that wasn't what he was saying, okay? He wasn't worried that all of a sudden I was going to have amnesia and be like, oh no, I don't know who these people are. What am I doing here? That's not, that's not what he was concerned about whenever I was a teenager. That's not what he wasn't worried that I was going to forget my name or something like that. No, he wanted me to remember that I represented someone else. I was a gill strap and that meant something. And I didn't want to bring shame to that name. I didn't want to ruin my family's relationship. Deuteronomy says something interesting about those who make a vow to the Lord. In Deuteronomy 23, 21, he says, when thou shalt vow a vow unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. If you don't follow through with what you say that you're going to do for the Lord, he says, it is a sin. Yeah, I don't like it, okay? It just is what it is, all right? Uh, you can be with me this morning. Maybe you're like, that's fantastic, okay? That's not, I mean, for me, because I look back on my life and I'm like, man, there's a lot of times. I said, oh yeah, God, I'm going to do this for you, and then, oh man, <laughs> Jesus says in Matthew 5 that anything less than being true to our word is evil. And James says you're condemned. The word there has the idea of being convicted with an understood punishment. When we make a commitment, especially to the Lord, and we don't follow through, the Lord says it's a sin. It's a sin. And Psalm 66 verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity or sin in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. 
Friend, I want to help you this morning, okay? When you get saved, when you accept Christ as your Savior, when you make that decision, you can never lose it. That's a wonderful promise. In fact, the book of uh, 1 Peter, chapter number 1, he tells us that we are kept by the power of God. That's incredible. I mean, you shut the book, you, sit, you finish it, that's it, okay? It's not, he says, listen, you aren't kept by your works and what you can do. He says, you are kept by the power of God, and he is all-powerful, so that means you could never lose it even if you tried, okay? I mean, I, don't, don't try, okay? But uh, listen, I'm telling you, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't. He says in John chapter number 10, hey, when you get saved, hey, Hey, you're placed into my hand. And the father wraps his hands around, around my hands and he says, listen, no man can pluck you out of my father's hands. When you accept Christ as your Savior, it is the most wonderful promise in the entire world. You cannot lose your salvation. It doesn't mean you should go out and live like the devil, okay? We talked about it this morning in Sunday school. It should motivate us to live our life for him. Can't lose it. But you can damage it that relationship. You ever not felt saved? All right, you've been there? I'm, I'm, probably, I'm the only one. Okay, I'll raise my hand. All right, so. Uh, you, you ever been there where you're just like, I just don't feel, feels like I'm praying, it's hitting the ceiling. God, where are you? I just don't even feel. And we know, you know in your mind, because you can go back to when you made that decision yeah, Lord, I, I remember making that decision. I know that I'm saved, but man, I don't, I don't really feel like it. I just, oh, I'm struggling with it. You know what's happened? There's a break in the relationship. When Tressa and I, I've, I've talked about this before, when Tressa and I, whenever we have a uh, passionate discussion, okay, is what we'll call that, and, uh, and we have this discussion, and listen, I'm always wrong, she's always right, okay, just get that through your head, okay, I've learned this, all right, I'm loving almost 12 years of marriage, I'm always wrong, she's always right. Uh, eventually, at some point, something has to happen. Because it's not that our marriage has ended, but our relationship is broken, okay? At some point, I have to go to her, and I have to say, okay, what's the words? Okay, yeah, I have to say, I am sorry, and she will say, what are you sorry for, okay? And I will say, I am sorry for blank. And then I will say, and then she will say, okay, and then I will say, will you forgive me? And she says, let me think about it. Okay, that's uh... <laughs> Yes. When we break our covenant, our promise to God, when we don't stand by our word, God says, it is a sin. God, where are you? You understand God doesn't move? We're like that prodigal son we talked about this morning in Sunday school, the prodigal that came to the, the father and said, God, Dad, I'm going to go live the way that I want to live. And Dad said, okay, I'll be here when you get back. And then the son came to himself and look at me, look at what I've done. I've totally failed. I've just I've messed up so bad. I'm going to go back to my dad and say, Dad, I, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Will you forgive God? And, and he makes his way back, and the father sees him a great way off and runs to him, and wraps his arms around him, and squeezes him so tight that his three-point message that the prodigal son had came up with only gets two points out of it. He says, oh, I'm so glad you're home. That's our God. When we've sinned against him, when we've, we've failed, he says, come back. I'm right here for you. 
Dishonesty, my friend, has no place in the life of a Christian. Unfaithfulness has no place in the life of the Christian. Now listen, we're gonna fail. We're gonna fall short. But what you do when you fall short, when you fail, that's what matters. Are you going to continue to run from God? Or will you come back to him and say, God, I failed. Will you forgive me? Christian, this morning, can I encourage you? Stop swearing, okay? All right? You know, all kinds of swearing. All right? Just stop it, all right? Let's, uh, let's let what we say and what our word says actually mean something. When you give your word to someone or to a commitment to God, follow through. Stand by it. Now listen, as we wrap up this morning, there could be one person or maybe many in this room that is hurting someone because they are lying. And the person that they're lying to is themselves. And you're saying, I'm good. I'm good enough. Kyle, all this stuff sounds good, but listen, I'm doing pretty good on my own. I got it figured out. See, Kyle, here's my plan. I'm going to go to church, and then, and then uh, you know what? You passed the offering plate earlier, and after this message, I'm a little bit convicted, so if you could maybe just put it in the back, and then I'll put something in there, and then I'll do that, and then I'll feel better, and, and, and I'll be a good person. I want, you know what you said today? I think those are great, great principles to live by, and so I'm going to be a man, woman that's true to my word and the things that I say. And, and Kyle, you know what? I, you've got that big, big bathtub in the back, and, and I think that'd be great if I could get baptized. That'd be a good thing, too. And if I just do all of these things, then that'll be good enough. If I just promise to God, God, I'm going to be a good person, that will be good enough, and then I'll be able to one day get to heaven because ultimately that's where we're all trying to get to. The Bible says all of your works your righteousness are filthy rags. Romans chapter number three, verse number 10. This is the problem. There, there, there's none righteous, no, not one. So everything that you could do to get yourself there will fall short. Romans chapter number four, I love it. It's one of my, it says, to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. To look at and say, God, I'm going to do all of these things. And if I do all of these things and I make enough promises to you, then God, you owe me eternity. And the next verse says, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Friend, if you are here this morning and you are lying to yourself, oh, I promise I'm going to do better. I promise I'm going to do better. I promise I'm going to do better, and that will be enough, I hope. You will fall short because you cannot do enough. But the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, God demonstrated, he commendeth his love toward us in that while you and I were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, hey, go clean yourself up and then I'll be waiting for you. You were in the midst of your deepest, darkest sin. God said, I love you. I want you to come to me because I want to forgive you and give you eternal life.
that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Friend, if you are lying to yourself this morning, you can make all the oaths and all the promises in the world and it won't get you one step closer to heaven. The only promise that matters is the promise that he made to you. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And friend, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you can accept him right where you're seated this morning. If you do know Christ as your Savior, stop swearing. Let your yea be yea and your nay be nay. Let's make our words mean something. Our commitments to others, our commitments to God. Let's follow through. Let's be true with what we say. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed this morning as we finish our message. I hope today that we'll commit to being honest, to being honest. Lord, help what I say when I say something, help me to follow through. Friend, maybe this morning you're sitting here and you say, Kyle, you know what, I've made some mistakes in my past. I've done some things. I've messed up. But this morning I just want to commit to God. He's a gracious God. He's a merciful God. I want to commit to him and say, God, if you'll help me, I want to honor you. I want to please you. Forgive me for failing you. I know it's hurt others. I know it's hurt people that have been watching me. And God, I know that I've hurt myself in my relationship with you. But God, would you forgive me? He's faithful. He's just to forgive you of that. This week as I was working through this message and praying for, through these things, God was speaking to my heart saying, Kyle, you've you got to be, be faithful. What you say should mean something. I hope that's true in your own life. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior this morning, I hope you get it settled right where you're seated. You can pray and say, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. That I have failed you. And God, I am asking you to forgive me for my sins. He promises to answer that prayer and give you eternal life that you can never lose. What a promise if you accept him as your Savior. be the greatest decision you could ever make. I hope you make it this morning. With heads bowed and with eyes closed as the music plays, let's stand together if you're able. And